Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there and welcome to Dudes on Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike, that's Doug. Happy almost Christmas, dude. Yes, to you too, dude. Mike and I just had a little lunch and before we entered the restaurant, we had some sushi today. Mm. I thought the quote of the day was the guy who walked by the sushi restaurant paused and said, hmm, smells like fish. <laughs> I thought that that was yeah. the comment of the day, dude. Yes. So uh, to you, I say delicious lunch and uh, it smells like fish. Yes. Well, not anymore because we're <laughs> no longer in the restaurant. Is that a good sign when your sushi restaurant smells like fish? Not generally, no. Yeah. I, I'm, I wasn't concerned about our lunch, but now maybe I should be. Yeah. Because it shouldn't. Usually you don't want anything to smell like fish. Not you? usually. Although mm-hmm. certain sushi can be a little fishy tasting, <laughs> which isn't doesn't mean that the fish is turned or anything bad, but... I think that that can certainly turn people away from a restaurant if they're walking by and they go, hmm, smells like fish. Speaking of not fishy, the Sharks continue to be an effective team, dude. An effective team. They have gotten points in their last three games. They won versus Edmonton. They won in overtime against the Blues. And they lost last night in a hard-fought effort in Anaheim, dude. They have four days off before they go back to L.A. Brilliant scheduling. Have them down there and come back and come back down, but I'm sure they don't care. Back down in L.A. on the 27th, dude. How are you feeling right now? Just overall, still feeling feeling the love? I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. They're playing good. I'm not... Uh, I don't think these this team's a world beater. You know, you... I actually got Epics, dude. So I watched the first episode of the Road to the Winter Classic. Nice. And uh, certainly you see Chicago rolling over people. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to make the argument that the Sharks are in that class. They're not anywhere near Chicago's league at this point. But they just played two of the best teams in the NHL. And they hold, held their own. They had results that I think you might expect. From good teams, you lose in Anaheim. Granted, they didn't have Corey Perry, but... And Anderson, except for that one goal from Carlson, was freaking great. He was awesome, yeah, except for that one weird Melker Carlson goal. But Niemi was very good as well. And um, they matched the Ducks toe-to-toe, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the Blues game was a win. They sort of pulled it out of their underpants at the end of regulation, but yeah. then a great goal by Burns in overtime. I mean, those are the kind of results that you expect. You, I'm sure you're not, while you want to win in Anaheim, an overtime loss is considered a win in some ways, don't you, dude? Yeah, certainly getting a point against a division rival is a good thing, especially the team that's leading the division, you don't want to create more separation against the ducks for them by giving up two points and getting none for yourself. So that's certainly a good thing. And, and, you know, Anaheim's definitely what number they're certainly number one in the division. Are they, they have more points than uh, Chicago at this point. They do. They are number one in the Western conference and number one in the entire NHL. Right. So, I mean, that's a, that's a good result. 
and the Blues are a playoff team, seated third in the Central Division. The Sharks have crept their way up to second, dude. Yeah. So from being a borderline playoff team before this winning streak started to now, well, not a lot of separation between them and Vancouver and L.A., but these are some important games coming up here in the next, you know, three before we turn over to 2015 where they've got some key battles here against Pacific Division teams that they're fighting for playoff positioning against. And I hope they're going to continue to fight the way that they have in these first two games against two really good teams. Right. And I felt like both St. Louis and the Anaheim games were, you know, this is a very even matchup between these teams. And and maybe the reason why Anaheim is so far ahead at this point is because the Sharks were a fairly even matchup with the Ducks without Corey Perry. And maybe Corey Perry, who has, you know, won the Hart Trophy in the past, won goals, uh, you know, the, the most goals in the league trophy. You know, maybe that's the difference between us and them is they have a guy who's an elite goal scorer, but certainly with uh, St. Louis, it seemed like this was a very even matchup. Like these teams were almost exactly the same, Uh, you know, traded chances. It was just the difference between a late goal for the Sharks and an overtime winner from Brent Burns. But I think we've sort of calibrated the Sharks now against other teams. They're roughly on par with those two teams. I guess, I'd love to see them play Vancouver again because I want to see how they match up again against Vancouver because that seems to be our closest competition in the Pacific right now. And, and we might be fighting tooth and nail with the Canucks for position in the postseason if the con- Sharks continue on this road, which seems to be you know winning however many nine out of their last 10 or eight out of their last 10 now that with the overtime loss. you know They seem to be a playoff team now all of a sudden. <laughs> well... But the key word is now, dude. Mm-hmm. And and I think we've seen, as we've seen from the Sharks in the past several years, they can run, like most teams, extremely hot and cold. And they were very cold only just a month ago, dude. I mean, you look at November, they were not good at all. I mean, we're looking back at the results in November at a stretch where they lost five out of six, where they lost, you know, six out of eight. Seven out of ten. How about that for math? Yeah. All right. So I mean that not good results and and losing games to Florida and Buffalo twice and you know those are the kind of results that make you just cringe. And you look at this month where so far they've only lost one game in regulation. Mm-hmm. To Edm- that's to Edmonton. To Edmonton. <laughs> but in a game where it was a bit of a trap, second game in a back to back on the road. I mean, you don't want to see that loss happen, but it did. And you can stomach it now because they haven't lost in regulation again. And they're beating good teams. They're beating Minnesota. They're beating Nashville. They're beating St. Louis. And they're being competitive against Anaheim. So hopefully they're going to be able to close out the year uh, strong and continue to you know, impose their will uh, against an L.A. team who they've only faced once. And I'm sure LA is going to want a little payback for mm-hmm. what they did on opening night, embarrassing them in their own building after they had their, you know, Prince Ali, Ali Ababa uh, parade for their <laughs> yeah. Stanley Cup, their 50 minute celebration. They can all suck it. <laughs> but um, the Kings are struggling, dude. Yeah. The, the, opp- the opportunity is there for the Sharks to gain a little bit of separation, and I hope they take advantage of it. 
Yep, and uh, it was also, we had a little interesting uh, fireworks on the Twitter machine mm. over the last week after... Because we're so controversial. Yeah. <laughs> we are, apparently. I guess so. I'm sure uh, we rub people the wrong way. We've gotten some emails from people saying that we're too negative. Um, and well, and we've gotten some heat over our uh, stance that uh, the Sharks need to continue along the path to young players and perhaps cut ties with uh, some of the elder statesmen like Joe Thornton and, and Patrick Marlowe and got into quite a little uh, Twitter fracas um, last week, although, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't, uh, you know, in the, in the annals of uh, Twitter wars, it wasn't much of one. But, you know, certainly Fear the Fin and, and some other listeners of ours and, and I got into a little bit of stuff. People just really seem to disagree with our... A stance that you know Joe Thornton should leave, and people say you know their sharks are going to get worse, and all these other things. And I, I understand that argument; I, I honestly do. But um, you know, needless to say, I don't agree with it. And I think uh, you know one of the few times where I actually said something interesting was uh, on the on the Twitter feed where people say, "Oh, you know, Pavelski is not going to get any better." If Thornton leaves, you know, these guys are not going to get any better. I don't see how, you know, the leadership is going to change. And my only response to that was, you know, me being a guy who works for a regular company, you know, works for tech. I mean, think about it like this. You're a, you're a good contributor at a company and uh, the president or the CEO comes to you and says, you know, we want you to take a more leadership role in this company. But the senior VP that you're supposedly going to take over for is still with the company, he still has the corner office, and he's still making the big salary. Now, my question to everyone is, do you think you might behave a little differently in that situation versus if you had the corner office and you had the big salary? And this is the analogy I make with the Sharks. You know, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture, they don't have the corner office today, right? They're second fiddle to Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe whether the CEO wants them to step up or not. And I can't help thinking that things will change if those guys move into those slots. Joe Thornton's a Hall of Famer. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. No one has scored more points since 1997 than Joe Thornton. You don't just like go and kick him in the ass and say, You're, this is my team now, meet. It's just, that's just not how it works. I don't see how it can work that way. So I do think things will change if those guys are gone. Will they change for the better? I hope so. <laughs> I don't know that they will for sure. I think clearly the Sharks will get worse short term if those those players leave, right? And that's the risk. That's the big risk. And I understand if people think the Sharks shouldn't take it. I get that. But I also don't understand people thinking that the Sharks are honestly contenders because I don't think that they are. Do you agree with that statement at least? I agree. I mean, it's tough to not be seduced by their month of December. Mm-hmm. And we've all been seduced by it before. There's just nothing. I've seen nothing that makes me feel like anything is going to change over the long haul. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy how the Sharks are playing. Right. And it doesn't mean we're not going to be wrong. God, I mean, I hope we're wrong. Me too. I want to be wrong. And, you know, everyone, I would love to hear everybody in June call us a bunch of a-holes yeah. while we're celebrating the start. I, it's not going to make me enjoy it any less. No, if certainly the not. With the Stanley Cup, I would love for everyone to, to shout names at us. We'll gladly let you throw fruit at us. We don't care. But I don't see how the makeup of the team is going to change as long as the corner office employees are there. I think that's a great analogy, dude. And, and I, I think it's true. 
And yes, Joe Thornton is a great player, a Hall of Famer, still an elite number one center in the NHL. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he does carry some, I don't know if baggage is the right word, but, you know, in the NHL circles, he is not viewed as a winner, right? Right. He's had that label before he even came to San Jose. Right. And he's done nothing to change that. And, you know, he's a good player on a team that is now a bit of a punchline for underachieving. Mm -hmm. Just like the Washington Capitals are a national punchline for underachieving, the Sharks are too. And maybe in our own, you know, bubble, we don't all see that. But it... That's the case. You know what I mean? And finally, this year, nobody took the bait, right? Yeah. None of the national media guys took the bait. I'm going to pick the Sharks, right? Right. So maybe that means they'll win the whole thing. (laughs) But I just, I doubt it. So the the question that we talked a little little bit about at lunch is, I think we agree that while we think maybe for the long-term health of the franchise, parting ways with Joe is the right thing. All right. Right. But that is not going to happen. No, it's really it's not. It's not going to happen. It's an so, academic argument. So at this really, point. we probably don't even need to talk about it anymore because it's not it's not going to happen. We really should stop talking about it. Because Joe isn't leaving. He doesn't want to leave. Right. And whether Doug Wilson wants to move him or not, the only other move to do is to completely ostracize him and put him on some sort of survivor island <laughs> and Right. Hope he's so irritated. And that's not going to be the case. It's not going to happen. And and frankly, I don't think that would be a great move for the Sharks either. No, it's a bad thing. Players look at stuff like that. Yeah. And go, Why would I want to be a part of a team that does something like that? Like that. So now, if the Sharks are in competitive mode mm-hmm. and not in youth mode, mm-hmm. what are they going to do moving forward in the next two months, dude? Are we going to see them? start to part ways with veteran salaries or players who are at the end of their deals like they've done before, mm-hmm. like they did with um, with Ryan Clough, with Douglas Murray. Are, are we, they going to look at this and go, we are a top six forward away from being able to make a real run at the Stanley Cup? Which way will they go, dude? Hold on, dude. I got to answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, I think they're more than one piece away. So I would be very surprised to see the Sharks go and try and get a piece uh, to improve their playoff chances. And um, certainly, for instance, the uh, the fact that Adam Birch is still in Worcester, um, some of these guys, it seems like the Sharks have committed at least partially to this youth reboot. So I would be actually really surprised if the Sharks went out and, and got something because if I had to say, okay, what would make the Sharks competitive with Chicago, who sort of has to be close to the standard right now in terms of, you know, where where you know who's got the best chance to win the cup right now, I think Chicago would probably be at least, you know, six or seven out of ten people would say Chicago is definitely the best team, the odds on favor to win the cup. So you have to think to yourself, okay. How would the Sharks be competitive? They're probably at least three pieces away. Um, they're probably a, a top top defense. They need another defenseman. They need a top six forward. And they probably need a third line player to be competitive with those guys. And the Sharks are not going to do that. And, and they probably couldn't even get those guys even if they wanted to. So I think 
they might want to cut ties with some of these guys. I don't know. You know, the one sort of wild card, if we look at guys that might be up, is a guy like James Shepard, um, who, you know, admittedly has been playing better this year than I had expected and probably a little bit better than we give him credit for. But, uh, you know, Scott Hannon, it's not that big of it. You know, he's only on a one-year deal. I think Tyler Kennedy is the biggest question mark. Uh, you know, he's hurt again. Is this a guy that they would want to get rid of? Is this a guy that they could get rid of? I don't know. But I really don't see the Sharks going out and trying to get a veteran player to help them right now. I think at least to the extent that they can, given these contracts that, that are in place, I think the Sharks are still going to continue to try and get younger and, and play guys like Matt Tennyson. So, again, the Sharks are just in a total limbo state. Then. Yes, they're in limbo. They're not. So the people who are thinking this team is a contender will not be happy with that answer. And the people who think the Sharks should be in rebuild mode are also not going to be happy with that answer. So you're playing the fence, basically. You're on the fence. You're going to say, well, we're going to roll forward with what we have. Now, we were also talked about at lunch, the players the Sharks have cut ties with, the major core players, Klo, Murray, Boyle, pains me to say it, and Havlat. Right? Yeah. None of them have been worth the contracts that they've signed with other teams. None of them. That's true. You know? And it does hurt to say that. I mean, Dan Boyle, we can attempt to make excuses for... He's been hurt twice. Mm -hmm. um, but it hasn't been a good good season for him. He'll continue to, to get opportunities, I think, with that team. And, and I really hope that he can be the solution for them because I have him in the Vegas bet. <laughs> but uh, Havlat's been terrible. Yeah. All injury prone. Now he's got the mumps. I think so. Yeah. Plo, what a terrible contract. Yeah. I mean, the guy can't even get on the ice. I feel bad for him. And Douglas Murray's not even in the league. Right. So cutting ties with those guys was the right call. I mean, the, I think you bring up James Shepard. That's a good question. I mean, the Sharks might have to make a decision here. I mean, are you going to be willing to make a three year commitment to James Shepard to be your third line center? Playing with Carlson and Goodrow right now. It's going to be tempting, right? Yeah, Because they've be. been damn good. Really good. They've been very good. But are you? do you really want to get in that situation where you're, you've got a three-year, $6 million deal with James Shepard? I don't know. I mean, maybe they're going to do it. I mean, Tyler Kennedy, that's easy. If someone wants him, you, you give him up or you just let him walk. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Andrew Desjardins, I mean, that's a, that's a question. I mean, is someone going to offer you a contending team who wants to upgrade their fourth line? Could he help them? I mean, could he help a Boston? Mm -hmm. You know, I think Boston's actually got a pretty damn good fourth line at the moment. So but I don't they think they—they they, some... they are one of the teams I don't think could use him. But they've had so many injury problems. Yeah, and they're playing some kids. I mean, maybe yep. they would rather. I mean, they've got Simone Gagne. Would they rather have Andrew Desjardins play on the fourth line than Simone Gagne? Probably. Yeah, maybe. You know, I'm just throwing out random names, dude. I mean, he might be the one that if they don't feel like. I mean, this guy has been on a one-year deal basically every year, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think actually he came off a two-year deal last year, but he's on a one-year deal right now. Is he gonna stay? I mean, are they gonna? Is he gonna be part of? He's finishing up a two-year deal right now. Is he part of the long-term plans? Well, the thing is, I don't know if you ever make a long-term commitment to a fourth-line player. Like, what are the fourth-line players in the league that are signed to five-year deals? Are they gonna trade Scott Hannon? No. Right no. now, Scott Hannon's one of the six best defensemen that the Sharks have at the moment. 
Matt, I mean, but this is Matt but, Irwin cannot get into the lineup, and Mirko Mueller, who we're going to talk about in a second, cannot get into the lineup. But but Murray and Chloe, they were playing. You got value for them. Are you saying someone? If someone calls two second round picks for Douglas Murray, you take that deal every day of the week. Well, couldn't Scott Hannon not get that? But couldn't he get a no. third at this point from a contender? He's playing well. Yeah, he's I, cheap. I guess we played. We traded a third for time again, and look how that's worked out. I, I'm just. I'm wondering if you're in that position, you go, okay. Well, I'm gonna get maximum value for Scott Hannon at this time because mm-hmm. he is not going to be here next year. So, and and will that hurt their playoff chances? Probably. Yeah, at least a little. But. Do they do it? I mean, if they're truly committed to this program mm-hmm. that they've discussed, then they're going to have to make some decisions like that coming up on guys that we just named. John Scott. No one's going to want him. Please, a sack of potatoes for him. Yeah, well, we heard from Tracy with some similar comments. He's, he's happy that Carlson and uh, Tennyson are bringing it, but he's intrigued to see what happens when some of the injured return, like Torres... Tracy thinks he may be done. You think you think Torres, who's now playing without an ACL, is Torres done, dude? I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Is Torres done? I don't think he's done. I think he's going to try. I don't think he's going to play this year. I'm not counting him for this year. Yeah, I mean, I can't count him. I can't count him at all. I think I'm she, with. She doesn't really think that, right? <laughs> I. I agree with. I think Torres is done. I think this is a last ditch effort of Torres trying to create a career because his knee is in such terrible shape. It's like, okay, if I can't fix the ACL, I guess I'm going to try and play without one. We'll see what happens. I mean, I mean that can't exactly be like the recommended solution to this. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it at this point it, it can't hurt. Like, I mean, right. you know, you you roll forward and see what you can get out of him. So I don't think we can count on Rafi Torres for anything. Like, no, that's he's, true. He's basically would be a surprise addition to the team. I mean, the amazing thing is what he, in the limited action he had last year, he was so good. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even necessarily the same player. No. But he could score. Yeah, he's, he's just, still good. He, he's still good. So, I mean, maybe you can get something out of him, but um, that was a bummer. Yeah. But, but And Mueller is going to the World Juniors. He's going to he play is. for Switzerland. And, and I applaud that decision. They yeah. should be doing Me that. Me too, because he's not playing. Right. And I know some people have asked me, and I've been too lazy to look this up, but I did look up this the state and the rules surrounding junior players and specifically Mirko Mueller with the NHL. So there's a lot of different rules. So th- there's a there's a rule about what happens if a junior player plays under nine games in the NHL. And there's a rule about that. And basically that means the first year of his contract is not does not count. So he's still, if he comes back the following year, he's still on the first year of his contract. So that's why you see a lot of junior players return to junior after only nine games in the NHL. Now, obviously, Mueller is past that point. Um, So this is his first year of his entry-level contract, Mirko Mueller. But as others have noted, he can't be sent to the AHL. So he cannot be sent to the Worcester Sharks. Uh, And the reason for that is a deal between the Canadian Hockey Leagues, you know, the junior leagues, and the NHL and the AHL. Because what they're, what they're trying to avoid is that these good players get drafted at 18 or 19 years old. They come up to the big club. They don't quite catch on. And then they get sent to the minors. And what that'll basically do is drain all of this talent out of the junior leagues. 
So what they say is if you're 19 years old and you've been drafted out of junior by the NHL, you can't get sent to the AHL that year. So mm-hmm. Mirko Mueller cannot go to the Worcester Sharks this year, mm-hmm. but he can get sent back to junior this year if the Sharks choose to do that. So he can go in back and, and play in the, who was he playing for, Everett? Uh, go back to the Western Hockey League. So right. he, can, he can do that. And there's some other rules about an accrued season. When does that count? All this other stuff. But that doesn't really matter. But basically the choices for Mirko Mueller are he stays with the Sharks or gets sent back to junior at some point. And the AHL is completely off the table for him. So right right now, it seems like the Sharks are choosing to keep him up here and put him up in the sky and have him watch the game from the press box, um, which I don't know if I think that's a good thing. I'm wondering if he might be getting better if he were playing in junior right now. What do you think? I would rather always see a guy play than, yeah. than sit and watch. And it's not like... I mean, I don't know. It's it's not like he's in Buffalo or something or yeah. Edmonton and he's in you know, the locker room I'm sure is stable, but it's not like this is the best environment. Not like he's a young player following around the Blackhawks that just seemed like a winning machine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where you see those guys, you know, on, on that uh Epics documentary, like that team is just a machine, right? I would rather see him get sent back even if it means that we lose a year on his deal. You know, I don't think it's worth being. I mean, well, it doesn't matter. They're they're in it now, right? Mm-hmm. So either they're gonna they're gonna have a year of his deal burned sitting here, right? Or they're gonna have a year of his deal burned playing somewhere, right? So I, I didn't realize Goldobin is playing for Russia in the World Juniors. So, oh, okay. So or at least he's on their initial thirty man roster. So I don't know if he uh, this came out today. So we'll see if he ends up making the team, but. I would hope so. So that means the Sharks would have two guys playing in the World Junior. We haven't seen that a lot recently, do you? No. We? I mean, where the Sharks have had two prospects playing in that tournament? Usually, the World Junior seems to be almost as difficult to make as, as the Olympics. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, obviously, it's a country-based team, and you know, the Canadian roster is always epic. You know, <laughs> It's just like a who's who of who's going to be NHL stars. Um I remember Eberle and Taylor Hall and like John Tavares and all these guys all right. playing on the same junior team, right, uh, or something like that. So yeah, if if these guys can make it, uh, especially Goldobin, that'd be really interesting to see. I mean, Switzerland's certainly not considered to be a top tier junior team, and they'll probably get you know <laughs> beaten down pretty hard by the by the top you know teams being Sweden, Finland, the U.S., Canada, and Russia. But but it'd be great to see Mirko Mueller see how he does. Right, agreed. Oh, uh, Tracy also asked that his daughter, or her, his daughter, okay, we should stop (laughs) pretending, uh, pointed out that the opening jingle mentions we are accepting callers. Have you ever had a call-in portion? Well, this is a podcast, so the answer is no. Um, We don't do a live broadcast, so we don't accept callers. Well, we have had interviews with people on the we phone, have. but Didn't I don't we tell have them my a listener on. We did have a listener on once, dude. I back, think they won a bet way back when they won a bet with us. I think they won the fantasy league. That's right, and they got to come on the podcast. Yeah, dumbest thing we ever did, dude. Uh, <laughs> dude, did what? Do you want to talk to Tracy? We, we could. I would love to talk to her. <laughs> Only if he puts out a feminine voice <laughs> and wears a wig. Yeah. Even though that it's audio only. Tracy, do you want to be on the podcast? <laughs> Let us know. This is I think this is a serious offer. Is it? Yes. You're being serious? I'm being serious. All right. She's been a loyal emailer. It's true. It's true. 
And on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Kazam, who is a first-time emailer. Yes. And he says, first of all, Doug, you need to brush up on your Simpsons trivia. The rate at which you miss Mike's coy references to perhaps the best animated comedy series in history is astonishing. Dude. Well, I mean, the first thing I have to say to this emailer is, I mean, don't you have like a Prince tribute concert to go to or something? <laughs> oh, I'm surprised no. you have time to write this email. Hey. 2000 party over. He's still Oops. right. He's still right, dude. Time. You miss all my Simpsons dude, references. The Simpsons, I don't watch cartoons, dude. I watch real cultured television programming like Big Brother. Yeah. And don't, Master Chef Junior. Don't, don't you have heavyweights on DVD? <laughs> That's a film. <laughs> I know. That's a film. That's way worse Dude, than any I'm, Simpsons. I, I, I've never been into The Simpsons. I know it's a major character flaw. It is. I just, I've never been into it. So, Kazam, you are correct. Yeah. I do not catch any of the references. Uh, they, like, they all just sail right over your head. Like, I say them and I look at you good. and you're just like, no, I have no idea. You're keep, just staring into going. the distance. Keep going. Okay. Keep letting them fly, dude. All right. And because uh, they'll be like little nuggets of greatness for Kazam. <laughs> and all of our listeners that like The Simpsons, which is probably most of them. Uh, he also mentions that he's going to be hanging with Niemi just before New Year's Eve. And he has no good questions or comments of his own. What imaginative deep thoughts would the dudes like me to convey on their behalf, dude? What the hell is up with the holiday sweater video? Yeah. <laughs> I want you to ask that. I don't know. I, I'd be curious to hear from the listeners about this. I, did, I didn't find that amusing. Maybe I'm in the minority. I didn't laugh. I just looked bewildered. Maybe because a comedy skit shouldn't be 19 minutes long. Right. That's the one thing. About as long as it was. The best part was Brendan Dillon at the end. But, oh, man, that was rough. Can you ask him about that, Kazam? Yeah, ask him if it took as long to film as it did to watch. <laughs> no, uh, I, I I enjoyed the uh, let's see, how would you put it the the thought and the effort of the holiday sweater video. Mm-hmm. But um, given I'm not as much of a performing arts professional as you are, <laughs> I still thought it was way too long. Um, I thought I could have done with maybe a verse and a half or two verses as opposed to four or five. I mean, this is like the American Pie of raps i mean you really only need a couple verses and then it's like three minutes and you're out you know it's like billy joel said you cut it down to 305 that's what you got to do i think kazam a great question to ask uh auntie Niemi would to be uh how big is your five hole <laughs> dear god yeah that's good that's that's just something really you want to i'll give c- come I'll, out with right I'll when you meet you a, the guy i'll give you a dollar if you ask that question <laughs> a dollar <laughs> i'm sure he's gonna take you up on that please ask it good lord all right, dude, in other random news, uh, the jerseys for the outdoor game have come out. Yes. And Scott wants to know what we think of them. He thinks they look like a slice of Neapolitan ice cream, <laughs> which actually is a, is a pretty fair description. It's sort of like three stripes, the teal, the white in the middle, and the, uh, the black on the bottom. You just don't hear that ice cream flavor mentioned very much. Neapolitan, no, you don't. I like and it's that. pretty good. I, I do like Neapolitan ice cream. I like I like that. Do you have a, a carton of Neapolitan ice cream just sitting right behind your Dirty Dancing DVDs? I wish I did. <laughs> I'm not talking to you. Oh. I'm talking to Scott, baby. Oh, oh that's right. <laughs> Scott, how are you? I haven't seen you in a long time, man. It's been a while. It has been a long time. So, so dude, what do you think of the jersey? Eh. Yeah? Meh. Hmm. I don't think it bothers me as much as it did you. You were all stoked about like buying one. I was like said, locked in to yeah. buy this stupid jersey. You know, I was going to buy into this, you know, 
materialistic hype and you know though they're going and this whole thing and then it's basically three colors on the front and the same teal back there's really nothing it's the same logo on the front there's a slightly different patch on the shoulder that says northern california it's like we you know not exciting i'm not gonna buy that jersey i'm i'm sad to say i was all stoked to get it and then when i saw it in person it just didn't much do it for me like changing one of the background colors I don't know if that's enough for me to buy a whole new jersey. I mean, you see Chicago and and Detroit and some of these other teams, they, they do the throwback thing and they totally change it up. They change right. everything around, like right. the styling and you know all this stuff. And the Sharks kind of didn't do that. I, was I, mean, I don't know if they really have a throwback to go to, right? No, they don't. Rich but... history of jerseys. Well, what if they went back to the original, like more teal color, although maybe it wouldn't be in their original, it wouldn't be yeah. in the current color scheme. Yeah, I, I think it was a bit of a... It's a and I wouldn't call it a failure. i just say it's a bit of a wah-wah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so those are the emails. Questions at dudesonhockey.com, of course, is the email address. If you want to help Kazam out with a question for Niemi, uh, I don't think we've come up with anything that he can use so far. So we'd, we'd certainly... Uh... I disagree. <laughs> you, you think we've got some real winners, you know, really? Wait, wait. Icebreakers. I'm sorry, wait. Did, was that a Simpsons reference? dude did i miss it dude are you gonna second guess everything i say now was that a reference (laughs) it might have been it might have been oh oh dude this is going so well okay so uh what are the keys to the next week for the sharks other than not drinking too much eggnog or eating uh fruitcake i mean continued strong play from their from the backup i mean Mm -hmm. niemi has been good and uh the d has been solid uh, Brendan Dillon has been a huge addition. I don't think there's any question, you know, seeing that Damaris has dropped completely off the Dallas power play units. He's a minus six in Dallas, more of the same from Jason Damaris. And Dillon, after a rough start, is it even. So, mm-hmm. and Burns is a better player with Brendan Dillon, even strength. So, no question, that's improved the team. And just keep that third line rolling. Yeah. I love this third line. And I think. I can't wait to see them play the Kings actually and see how Goudreau and Carlson do against such experienced bottom six players that the Kings have. What kind of impact that's going to have in a game? You know, is James Shepard going to match up well against Jared Stoll in that kind of situation? Mm-hmm. He did for two games and he didn't for four. So where right. will he be now this year? I mean, because that will go a long way to see where the Sharks really are, you know? Because I know the Kings are sort of in and out of the playoff picture, but I still hold them up as the standard. They're still the standard for me. Well, they're the champions. I don't see how... All they got to do is get in. Right. And they'd be the last team anyone would want to see. I don't care if they made it on the last day in double overtime. They would be the last team. If Anaheim was the one and the Kings were the last wildcard team, Anaheim would be mortified to see them. Yeah, that's, that, that would be the worst draw automatically. Yep. So then you fully expect the Sharks to get it. Yeah. I mean, I, I know the Sharks are going to play the Kings in the playoffs. Yeah. I know it. It's going to happen. Don't you know it? Oh, yeah. I am so positive. It's either going to be the Kings or Chicago. Those are the two teams the Sharks are going to play. No, I'm, I'm so positive it's going to be the Kings. Really? It's going to be the same freaking scenario as last year where the Sharks will even have home eyes. <laughs> it's going to be a replay because the hockey gods demand it, dude. I think they do. They demand it yeah <laughs> it it always sets up to be the worst possible path right the sharks mm-hmm. would have to go through la 
then the Ducks, and then the Blackhawks. Like, right. That's just going to be the way it is because that's just how we roll. Yeah, I believe you're right, dude. All right. Well, dude. I hope the Sharks can keep rolling uh, through the holidays. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to all, our, all of our listeners. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back hopefully next week before the new year begins. Doubtful. I'll be out of town. That's right. I'm going to be in M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. That's right. So I think we should consider this the last podcast of 2014, and we will happily talk to everyone again in the new year. Is that a reference? To- yes. Show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.